so um i guess it was a very quick trip for me uh, it was just a day trip but uh, i think we packed a lot into that um you know uh, alpna had mentioned to go and see this temple called nilkant uh, which is very interesting because uh, the architecture i don't know if you could um, figure it out from the picture i posted but it is totally in the southern architecture temple architecture and and i was just thinking that you know this temple must be 100 200 maybe even older than that years old and here you are seeing this architecture which was sort of very puzzling that who would have gone all the way to rishikesh and up there and um you know put the temple there but it was beautiful it was not very crowded and uh, i i don't know what the history behind uh, oh yeah there is sorry yeah the history is that uh, there was that manthan going on and uh, this is where i, I forget exactly alpna you'll have to help me out but there was uh, basically a significance that something fell on that particular place yeah. and that's how it becomes shivji's uh, temple right this is where shivji goes after having the halahal wish so. yeah mm. uh, right so so and and the you know the linga there was very small actually it's mm-hmm. uh, it's tiny tiny and i was surprised and in fact the if the priest didn't point out because what they have done is as you reach the uh, sanctum uh, they have you uh, pour the milk or water or whatever you want to on a, a sort of a golden small uh, linga and then they have a uh, they have created that passage so that all of that falls on the real linga which is sort of on the ground so so uh, so it's and all these pundits are just trying to move the line um and i would have completely missed it had they had i not stayed there a second or two longer and then the pandit ji said that you know oh, that's the thing and, and it's very different from what we normally see it's not as um, cylindrical as one sees it it was more like flattish uh, you know um so, so that was very very interesting and i wish there was more literature to read around why it is so but uh, that was the first stop and then the the person who was going with me i was just tagging along he had a appointment with uh, swami chidananda ji of parmarth uh, niketan which is sort of one of the very very big ashrams in rishikesh probably the largest ashram in rishikesh and uh, this person was um, is right has written a book on uh, basically all the verses in gita have been translated into uh, hindi poetry by him with and retaining the meaning etc so which is very fascinating so when it comes out i'll let you guys know um, but all the 700 shlokas he has translated into poetry into hindi poetry um so he's going to add some commentary etc so he wanted uh, swami ji to uh, take a look at his draft gunts uh, something similar to what you had done with swami ji um and so you know we had an appointment yeah. with appointment with him um so the idea was that we go to this temple oh yeah before this meeting i should tell you that there is a very nice restaurant there in rishikesh which i highly recommend it's called var um and what they have done is they have um tried to incorporate lot of prasads you get in different temples in their menu and uh, you know for me it was just good to go and eat the whole thali which was very fulfilling and you can ask for many seconds as many seconds as you want or thirds fourths so that was a good experience and then we had to go and meet swami ji so we did that um 
but the main thing i would say you know the most beautiful thing is this aarti that they do and uh, you know i when we met him it was more like a business meeting um you know there was not a lot of spiritual discussion he just was very nice to us and um understood you know what we were uh, what my friend was looking for uh, and i was just amazed that he flipped through it and then said ha ye to pehle bhi ho chuka hai meaning this has been done before and then he said uh, that's called hari geeta and i was just astounded by you know his knowledge that uh, something like this has been done before because at least in my mind i i obviously with my limited knowledge i didn't think anybody would have written this in hindi poetry but there was somebody who wrote it back in 1937 and uh, swami ji just uh, said that right off the bat so but still you know it's uh, i was just amazed by his uh, quick recollection of seeing something like this before um so then then you know it was aarti time so we went to the aarti and that was really really powerful and the way he conducts himself and and the kind of uh, bhajan chanting that goes on there it's it's an experience and i would highly encourage that uh, anyone who goes to rishikesh must uh, attend that aarti and the way they do it with all the um, you know proper uh, chanting and the pomp and the show it's it's really an experience and you, it's it's a beautiful thing and it, the sun is going down so it just creates a very very nice uh, ambiance uh, all around and obviously before that you know my friend insisted on taking a dip in in ganga ji so <laughs> i had to buy a towel quickly and then uh, get on with it and it was nice i mean actually it is always refreshing to take a dip in ganga ji and it was the outside you know the ashram it wasn't really the mm-hmm. the flow wasn't very swift so we could do that very nicely so and then you know they had a uh, and obviously i shared the talk that sadhvi ji gave over there after the aarti um but after that she had a q and a session as well so we attended that q and a and people had people asked her two three questions which i don't remember now um but yeah it was a, overall a very nice experience for me it was um very different in the sense that the ashram is huge it has thousand rooms and you know it's it's almost like a fully functional um let's say resort type thing uh, but people are all sorts of people are welcome which is very nice that you know it's a big big uh, campus and you know there's a lot of act- activities going on etc etc so yeah it was something which was on my list of things to do because i was in rishikesh last year and i was not able to attend this rp so in a way uh, that sort of got done vp this is the uh, this is the rp at the ashram not the regular sort of ganga rp right No, so, so it's right outside the ashram, but it is part the of the ashram uh, party, not like the jhule wali arti or whatever it's called. Uh, see, I don't know what is the jhule wali arti, but this is known as Parmat Niketan Ashram ah, okay. arti. Right, and this is the statue, yeah, mm. in in front of the Shivaji uh, Shivji's statue, and uh, it, that's what is that is what has become famous. So I see, you know, there is a small uh, pathway between. the ashram boundary and this space where um you could see them sitting and then there is uh, some other space that they have created on the uh, ganga ji as well so that people can sit on that side also so so they have really created this uh, ambiance and it's the one thing that bothered me a little bit is that everything seemed very choreographed um but uh, you know that's 
I guess that's what makes it very, very interesting and very, uh, uh, very powerful in some respects because everybody knows what part they are playing, and you know yeah. all the uh, kids who were there who were chanting and doing bhajan were very good. Awesome. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you, VP, for that. Sure. When is your next adventure? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I know before you guys joined, he was saying that he's done Vaishnav Devi 35 times. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, oh, his, yeah, but I his haven't father done... is even more. All his father has done 75. So he's become yeah. a piece for us, I think. <laughs> No, but I haven't done, I haven't gone in the last three years. In fact, uh, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to do more this year, but I, somehow it is not happening. So let's see. Okay. All right. So let's get to the shlokas. Uh, this week was 3.14 to 3.19. Um, I'm not sure if I can even recap what we did in the you know three or four weeks ago so i think we'll just go with these shlokas anyone can go you know what, what any aha moments or what we connected with sorry uh, uh yeah i can start i thought that whole cycle was uh, really very, very, very logical. And I was just fascinated that uh, so long ago in such a text, there could be such a logical flow of uh, thought, right? Uh, he starts from uh, Brahman, Brahman who has created the creator, right? And then the creator, uh, from the creator, I think, uh, was it desire then? And then desire actions and action will lead to uh, will lead to the fruit. Second, where are my notes? <clears throat> I thought that whole cycle was really uh, fascinating, and uh, yeah, it is uh, Brahman created Brahmaji, Brahmaji uh, action and. Action leads to sacrifice, and the sacrifice leads to rains. Rains is what gives the food, and the, from the food, beings uh, flourish. That whole uh, cycle between uh, verses 14 and 15, I thought was uh, uh, really fascinating. And then, uh, yeah, Swamiji goes on to explain that rains are not like the water falling from the sky, per se, but, uh, you know, the fruits of uh, any action is uh, rains and, uh, uh, you know, sacrifice is not yajna per se, but even the work that we do is yajna, right? That whole definition of yajna was uh, re uh, reiterated. Uh, I, I just thought that was very fascinating. In some commentaries, actually, Brahma is referred to as Vedas because the Vedas are the ones. Uh, so it's both. Uh, I've seen both commentaries. So I see. Vedas okay. have the, the rituals, but yeah, 
as you rightly said, from the more uh, practical meaning now, it is, it's referred to as the creator and the creator, from the creator came these, uh, whatever actions are being. Actions, used. yeah. So, both of them are all right. And yes, it was yeah, fascinating to see a cycle. <laughs> I think the cycle also has like a parallel in the real world, right? Like rain and productivity is, um, or like the equivalent of agriculture uh, cycle also is applicable to the modern world where we do some action and then the action's productivity potential is the rain that creates a conducive environment for the fruits to fructify. Can I bring up something? This thought came to me. I don't know if it is right or wrong, right? We are saying like all the time we do certain things, but it, it is always for the future, right? You do something good today, something uh, nice is going to happen. We always have to have that in our mind. But we also hear that live in that moment, live this moment in the sense, if I, if I go to like how VP went to Rishikesh, or Haridwar, you have to live that moment. So when they say live the moment, it is for those kind of experiences. But our actions and everything is actually for the future. This kind of a thought came to me. <laughs> well, you're right, but uh, I think we should have done some punyas in the past to be able to go to Haridwar and Rishikesh. So, I mean, that causality piece is always there. My only VP gets to go all of these places. I'm sure he has some <laughs> some chikkarman. We get the benefit of no blisters on the feet. We enjoyed the Trivanamala thing. Shanta, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, Manu. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that um, you know if you live in the moment and you do the right thing, then you automatically, you know, setting yourself up for the future. It's not that you're doing it intentionally for the future. That is, that's how I understand it. Yeah, and uh, I always felt, Shanta, that even when you're doing the actions, doing the actions in the moment is what is prescribed, right? And in fact, I say that don't take, don't worry about the fruit of your actions and don't worry about whether it results in what, uh, what is the goal, et cetera, right? You just do the action being in the moment, right? And as long as you're doing the right things, your future is taken care in the sense that, you know, uh, as long as your karma is um, in the form of a yajna, in the sense that you're not, um, you're not doing for the fruit of it, but just for the sake of the action itself, uh, then you'll be fine is what, how I interpreted it. Of course, it's very, very difficult to, to do something without even wanting, uh, you know, the result. But yeah, that's how I interpreted these staying in the moment business. Swami SPG has a very nice spin of word. He said it is called present because it is the present given for all the actions done in the past. Gift. Present as a gift. You are, present as a gift. <laughs> you are rephrasing Kung Fu Panda, right? 
Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. That's why it is called present. So this is from SPG <laughs> here, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Super well read. The other thing I was thinking that came to my mind, right? I know, I know. Maybe what I'm saying is uh, not the. Uh, like you know on the positive note but i was thinking if everyone follows every rule and do certain things then it would be very monotonous right oh, i wake up i do this i do that and it, the creativity is there for the human beings to explore and do certain things right i understand we have to do it with the right attitude and everything that is the basic concept but do your action and then everything will happen if everybody does the good action and then like everybody has this ignia kind of the mindset and do things then everything will be perfect things will be perfect but you would never know that things will be perfect unless there is that imperfection there <laughs> we don't even know that that is what is <laughs> perfect or not good right okay. Oh, right. Right. That's what keeps it going, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even in these uh, shlokas that we read today or this uh, week, uh, there is a mention, right? People who follow this cycle are doing the right thing, but there will be people who will not follow the cycle. And at certain stages or certain phases in history, there'll be a time when majority of the people are not following the cycle. And then there'll be an imbalance. And so they thought about everything possible, uh, you know, at the time of uh, whenever this, uh, this whole song was written, right? Uh, so amazing that uh, they could be so holistic and complete in, uh, when they were writing this. So it was, it was amazing. <clears throat> but that's the whole thing about the various yugas, right? In the Satyug, it was possibly that most people were doing the right things and there was a lot more peace and harmony in that whole sort of cos cosmic cycle. And things have over time sort of deteriorated. And I guess at the end of the current sort of yuga, which is Kali Yuga, will probably be a Pralayam or something. <clears throat> and the cycle goes back uh, is what we understand. So I think that's kind of a, a progressive thing, which will kind of keep going round and round. Yeah, to that, <laughs> actually, I feel... Satyug had either pure good people or pure bad people because there were Rakshasas also, right? But there was yeah, no convoluted thing, which is becoming more convoluted now. Now it is very hard to find somebody who is purely pure, right? It's all mixture of. So all of us have become yeah, but, but in a way, and this thing in the same. Yeah, but the way I reconcile it, Alpana, is that at that time, you know, the Rakshasas had a different sort of place where they lived. And uh, the all the all the kind of uh, good people lived in a different place, and there were conflicts, of course, from time to time. But you know, in, on on sort of on whatever it's called uh, on the earth, for example. Actually, you're uh, right because I think most of the conflicts were at, as they say, right? Corruption in Hong Kong is at very high level. The common man are not impacted. So correct, it's these devtas and the asur who are living in some other. Correct. Place. Now you have like you know asurs and the surs kind of not asurs and the devtas. On earth, yeah. On earth, and you know it's like somebody had a very nice example that you know in this satyug it was everyone was good and they lived separately. In in the Ramayana period, you know they were sort of it started to kind of grow up and then in, in, in Mahabharata, you know, it was between families 
and now it's within the families. So it's kind of getting closer and more intertwined, if you will. Yeah, within the person, maybe now, right? Within the person as well, absolutely. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, I think. Uh, go ahead, VP. Oh, Krishna, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, no worries. Uh, I was just about to add. Maybe it's like also the uh, proportion of uh, good desires versus bad desires, or binding desires versus non-binding desires. So there were probably still people who had desires, and they were doing for the future. But it could have been more sattvic thing like building a temple or uh, you know preparing for a concert or a big yagna or something, and so hence it, there would have still been probably thrill and creativity and arts and all those things. But it was maybe towards a higher objective. <laughs> I, I like to think that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean definitely there were clearly all arts and innovation and improvement of human science and technology and everything that. Got built up, right? So there were definitely enough um, motivating factors for people to live uh, better, better their life and everything, but just not have enough conflicts uh, about their day-to-day -day dharma or things like that. Hey, uh, I I was going to add uh, something to that, uh, Shanta, to your thing. I was just thinking in our chat with Swami G. We talked about goals, and uh, he said actually goals don't really exist, and they're they're not. I don't know, uh, Ajay, VP, uh, Krishna, you guys correct me if I'm paraphrasing wrongly here, but yeah, it seemed like he said they're actually irrelevant, but they make us do do things. Um, so if you combine that with your question, uh, one. Thing that comes to my mind is there is only that there is no past and there's no future right they, they actually don't exist well the past doesn't exist anymore and the future doesn't exist really no. so the only thing that exists is the present um, so all we can do is control what we do right now and i think he was also referring to the focus part of it so if you try to focus on one thing to get to your goal with the right attitudes and all the other caveats, uh, then there is, uh, there's, that's, that's all we can do actually. You, you can't do anything else uh, because nothing else is in your control. It's, it's under the force of nature. Mm. That's how I'm, I'm interpreting that. I mean, SPG also added another interesting <coughs> fact, which I didn't know that in our scriptures, actually it doesn't talk about that much of ethics, which is quite interesting. It doesn't talk that much about what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done. And he said, uh, actually in the West, um, uh, ethics is taught more elaborately and reasons behind that, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, uh, he, was, he was just saying that, the reason he thinks is just by teaching, you can't make a person become ethical. And then he again gave the example of Duryodhan, right? He knew what was right, but he just couldn't get himself to do it. Similarly, I think uh, it is more of the practice which is required because inherently we know what is right, what is wrong. We don't need to be taught about it. But uh, 
So I thought, yeah, you know, that was very interesting observation that uh, our scriptures don't really talk that much about uh, ethics. Very, very few do's and don'ts that also are more of, you know, you know the yam niyam in Patanjali Sutra, etc. Not really in Upanishads directly that much. But what uh, would you say, Alpna, about the dharma that one is supposed to follow? Isn't that somewhat like, you know, these are the ethics or ethics. this is the way to do things? Yeah, but it is not uh, uh, spelled out. Less left to our interpretation. Ki, jo tumara, tumare ashram mein karta and what it is, is not really spelled out. Yeah, as they were saying. And uh, uh, yeah, somewhere, I think Guntax wrote it in his book Dharma is what you don't want others to do unto you. Right, uh, do unto others what you want others to do to you, or something like that. So it is very uh, loosely yeah. uh, mentioned. Yes. And I thought the dharma is um, like very personal. You know what what you what is right for you may not be right for the other person. What is right for that situation may not be right for another situation. So. Yeah, what's right that, for a butcher you know, very, may not be right for a common man. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it, no, it's uh, uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, you know flexibility in how you define it. It seems to me. Yeah, but Alpana, it doesn't sort of chapter thirteen kind of give a long sort of commentary on various virtues and uh, you know good things to Please, do. Yeah, gyan ke sadhan. But only if you want moksha, right? You can you can do that. Yes, it is it is there. But right. um, I think his more point was uh, um, as a subject. Also, did we 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 did have a little bit of morals and ethics, but not too much. Not as much as it as it is taught in the West. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is true. Yeah. What about and that? And I always thought that? of that as a a kind of you know thing about the education system as opposed to. Anything else? But yeah, maybe he has a point. Actually, it's interesting. You know, when I was in elementary school, I was uh, in a convent school. And uh, so all the Christian children had, you know, they had to attend mass and they had whatever Bible study and all that. And for the rest of us who were not Christians, we had at the same time, we used to do something called moral science. Exactly. Exactly. I had the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then it was a very Christian system, right? That you need to have that. <laughs> yeah. You needed to have something yeah. along those lines. It's not, it's more secular, not so yeah. much, uh, you know, um, rel religious in nature, but it used to be all, you know, stories and yeah. moral of the story is this. Yeah, relating to what we were discussing, maybe in Kaliyuga it is required, but yeah, in general, I think it was expected that you will know inherently what is right, what is wrong. Although I feel like in our education system, you know, a lot of things that we learned was reading, you know, Amar Chitra Kathas and, you know, stories, uh, which I somehow feel is yeah. a better way of learning because as kind of, you know, 10 year olds, yeah. I'm not sure whether like a big moral, moral science lecture is going to sort of, you know, cut it, if you will, right? I mean, I, 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 the same thing with Manu. I mean, we had moral science, but I don't remember a thing of it because they were very drab, I think. But these, these stories were much better. Yeah. But that's interesting that uh, Sanatan Dharma doesn't prescribe the ethics aspect is, is an interesting insight. I, I never. Yeah, even I never thought about it. Yes. Uh, so. But this, uh, this phrase that you all heard last week from Swami. 
p about the value of a value um, you know I, I actually asked him the question about you know we all have like a sorry Duryodhana and us so why do we do things knowing it's fully wrong and he gave us this this kind of uh, thing around the value of values which was profound which also goes back to say that you know understanding and imbibing values is quite fundamental to how we behave yeah and yet it can't be taught and yet it can't be taught you right I mean it's a little bit like karma yoga you know I mean you can unless you do karma yoga you'd have no clue what you're talking about right so parents need to display it for kids to grasp. Exactly, it's, it's more exactly it's more by a sort of watching and you know seeing what's going around you, as opposed to teaching or or listening to stories perhaps. But didn't Krishna define those twenty six qualities or maybe more yeah. in one of the chapters later on, right? Yeah, so this is 20, 20, 20, the twenty qualities in, in chapter ten, I think. Chapter 30. yeah. Hmm. It, right. it's, it's more explained as these are the these are the qualities of a jnani. So yeah. not so much about you should do the oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. The way it is put is different still. Mm. And in all the interpretation, it is said that what they display is for what we should practice. But in a way, it is mm -hmm. still not directly said that you should do this, this, this. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, so that's on cool. the other hand, I have I've not read it, but what I have heard is in Garuda Puranam. But it is specifically said if you do this, you will get this punishment or something like that, right? Huh. Which is more of cause and effect. Yes. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the that's of cause and effect, effect all over everywhere. the place. Go ahead, VP. No, I was, uh, Gunz, I was just saying what you were saying that cause and effect is uh, spread across uh, all the Upanishads and Vedas big time. So, yeah, yeah, actually, um, even cause and effect is more in Puranas, if you see, and Puranas are, yeah, they are, they're Spruti, they're not Shruti, if you, if you mm. and, and, and some, uh, we had this chat also, right, about uh, karma and good versus bad karma, but that I think uh, your answer, I tend to uh, lean towards your answer, Alpanas, that there is, there is only the karma, right? There is the good that we are defining it to be. That's our filter. Yes. Yeah. Like sun, in one example, it was there, right? The sun doesn't have day and night. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's just how we, how we look at it, yeah. But, you know, that theme uh, about, uh, you know, being explicit or direct or proactive, you know, the lack of it is kind of, evident across the scriptures i mean you know you learn the scriptures not because somebody drip feeds you you learn them because you want to learn them mm -hmm. so whether it is the scriptures whether it is the values whether it is uh, you know doing karma yoga or jnana yoga or whatever yeah. it's it's a little bit like sort of you go to the temple or go to a spiritual place because you know it's meant to be so none of our scriptures are sort of you know, drip fed in school or anything. It's just, you know, you could be you could be eight years old and you you will still not get you know have any interest in it, and you might be a ten year old and you still might be interested. So it's a little bit about each one their own, as opposed to making it a mass thing. Yeah. I was just like thinking about the parallel. That is why I think like these important messages are given in different packages. So like you kind of get in for the story in Mahabharata and then you get interested in BG. 
and then the self selecting crowd will then follow up and then go to upanishads or brahma right. sutras and deeper and deeper but you you can choose which level you want to stop at or you are mm-hmm. prepared that right? and, and you decide i mean you know there's no one who's yes. going to tell you that you decide yes, yourself yes, yes. that's an important part and equally we can't force our kids to learn no 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 yeah, absolutely i mean i tried i have to say you know uh, i was at some point i was like i would take my son for a walk and try and talk to him and i i kind of quickly got to the point that i realized the futility of it <laughs> I, yeah. i think i strongly believe it's an evolution of the soul right you get to it and you know many people even our age don't appreciate and don't mm-hmm. get into this right i think it's just an uh, evolutionary thing of the soul and at a right time you get interested uh, I, i distinctly remember that uh, i was forced to read the bhagavad gita when you know at some stage in the younger days and i never really appreciated any part of it at all right i was yeah and now when i read it there's so much of meaning so much of depth and so much of insights into it and that stage uh, and this was i'm talking like when i was uh, 19 or 20 years old uh, i just wouldn't appreciate anything in the bhagavad gita at that time so it's just matter of time when you can appreciate these things yeah it's a, it's a little bit about sort of how your you know vasanas have matured or not and i think you know if you go through a lifetime you know your experiences and your you know how they impact your vasanas get you to a point where you are interested at certain level and then you know hopefully you'll carry it or we'll all carry it into our next births and and further along yeah another effect from swami spg was you know the theory of karma is every why has an answer and this is the quote from einstein he used to say every why has an answer and vedanta says the answer is coming out of it can you say it again say it again sorry answer is coming answer is coming out of this why and the causation <laughs> right 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 so you know einstein kept saying that he was very spiritual as well that he he would say that every why has an answer and the total answer is actually coming out of this why loop yeah well said that was that was quite powerful then i think we can we can focus a little bit on this uh, 17 which is which was a very uh, oh yeah uh, i was about to uh, say the same thing like it reminded me of the atmanyeva atmanatushtaha from 255 Yeah. Uh, here there are like the three words the yeah. ratihi tritihi uh-huh. and santushtaha uh-huh. <laughs> that i thought was very very profound like now it's in like three levels kind of unpacked yeah. uh, from from chapter 2 mm. uh, contentment and uh, contentment and uh, satisfaction so rati, what is the third one atma rati is uh, ratihi is delight uh, tritihi is fulfillment and santushtaha is uh, no tripti hi is satisfaction and then santushtaha is fulfillment contentment Content. or contentment contentment yeah. contentment satisfaction okay. and fulfillment are the same tripti yeah god delight yeah. first one was delight is it delight yeah yes prati hi yeah. okay okay yeah and what was that for them there is no duty left no duty left yes they can do whatever they want 
they can do cannot need not do and uh, it is fine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was amazing i i too thought that oh, wow yeah. because so many times uh, there are all these questions right why are some swamiji so famous and uh, so uh, you know well known there are so many videos floating around in swam swam we don't know anything about them at all right and they are equally realized uh, uh, people right so uh, yeah this this felt to me like an answer to all those questions that yeah they can just choose uh, to do or not to do uh, and it's it's all perfectly fine there is not even an obligatory duty for them is what yeah but it it, it further goes on to add that uh, that uh, enlightened person is obviously allowed to remain without action which uh, ordinary folks cannot cannot but even they need to perform their duty in line with their prarabdha because they're still sort of in the human or in the body right so they still have to perform action uh, although they can remain without action and then it adds one other interesting point which is that they they should behave like normal uh, beings and continue to perform actions because they are role models for the rest of us right and so you're right while you know they can stay without action they would you know otherwise remain exactly like all of us knowing fully well that they are enlightened but also to ensure that you know they are seen to be role models for the rest of society so there was some nuance to that which i thought was quite pertinent yeah it it also says then um for them work is not a training to purify uh, themselves but a fulfillment of their god realization so yeah they are performing work but the you know what they get out of it or not is different yeah you're not building on your on the, uh, yeah they don't build on their karma once they are right. realized and prarabdha just plays out i don't think you need action against prarabdha karma or because of prarabdha karma you just need to go through the the body needs to go through the experiences uh, of the prarabdha karma is uh, how i interpreted it um yeah so i think that, uh, swami spg also he adds that you know the three interpretations of these uh, no duties i think it is covered up but i'll just sum it up because i wrote it down so you know in his words you know so the first one is uh, no action is required to fulfill desires of self because he has no desires left yeah, so so that i think yeah. corresponds to you know what you were saying about the prarab you know even if certain action is being done out of whatever oh, the prarab yeah. is going on it is not driven out of the desire mm. and the second one is all action in life actually is done for enlightenment if you think about it whatever we are doing is eventually to get there that person is enlightened so for him there is no action that needs to be done because if, so so the point he was highlighting was actually everything we do is to move towards enlightenment all the rivers flow towards the ocean so whatever we are doing either it is for prarabdha or vasnaksha for something it is eventually to move in that direction whether we acknowledge or not it may be based upon you know where we are in the journey but so for them then there is no duty left because they are already enlightened so no action is required for enlightenment and then the third one he said was actually tremendous action is done as expression of enlightenment for the benefit of others 
so that also includes you know what uh, uh, what ajay was saying that you know sometimes they also act so that others also continue to act because they are not alive yeah. so to be the role model yes and also yeah. whatever they will do they will actually be, be doing it for the benefit of others i thought you know mm -hmm. these three summed up why they don't have any more duties left and then he said very interesting statement uh, that uh, corollary of this is if we have likes and dislikes there is a duty so that was very interesting one you have a duty yeah you're not there yet profound. that's what it means. You so right? you're not yeah. there yet simple yeah well done yeah <laughs> very very well summarized beautiful yeah. yeah alpana there was one more thing right yeah. uh, or one aspect i feel yes they have to be role models for others but not everybody becomes a role model right no. so no. some of the realized people are in caves and yeah, yeah. Uh, by themselves right so not everybody uh, wants to be a role model or uh, help others it, it is all right and what i really found interesting was uh, an enlightened person does not depend on any being for any object no. right uh, yeah I, i was i was like thinking wow that means they don't need food right uh, right they can live without food too yeah and we have seen examples of those uh, as well uh, there are people who who uh, do survive uh, for very long number of years in forests without any food as well so i thought uh, yeah going to your earlier point where you said about you know they don't do uh, not as a role model but almost all of them even if they are staying in isolation they provide a lot of positive energy because of yeah. the world goes on so even if they may not be between you know the society may not be directly doing anything but there is no enlightened being which doesn't work towards right. the uh, benefit of this universe so in fact uh, swami spg actually uh, if i recall he uh, gives an example of uh, nisargadatta maharaj yeah. who apparently once enlightened wanted to go away into the himalayas and sort of yeah. meditate there etc etc and then he says he's halfway through up, up there and then he realizes that this is not the right thing to do and he apparently used to live in a slum in mumbai he went back and he goes back and spends the rest of his life in the slum of mumbai just being a role model for the rest of the people so that they can imbibe some values and learn from him so that was a wonderful example of how enlightened people and like vivekanand he wanted to retire in the <laughs> and he was scolded by swami uh, by shri ramakrishna yeah did i do this for this <laughs> i thought you will move the masses and take them towards this so he very reluctantly he used to weep uh, even when he was in chicago he didn't like all this you know being there out and sometimes he had to use very harsh words uh, in those uh, in those sessions and he never liked it but but yeah I was quite intrigued I mean I can't remember which was probably verse 9 or 10 or 11 I can't remember but there is a there's a mention uh, somewhere that if you don't give back to society mm. uh, you're not doing your kartavya and you're like a thief mm. right and in, in some ways this is very similar where you know even though you're enlightened and you have no obligation if, if you will but uh, you know giving back to society is an integral part of that same thought process Actually, that's also for uh, 
uh, a gyani uh, giving back to the society etc for gyani it is not because for them there is no there's no, no there's no application exactly there's no application but i'm saying it's in the spirit of the same thing which is yes, you still yeah. need to go back to yeah. give it back give it back to society and and uh, what i've heard from everyone is they are actually filled up with so much of compassion that they just automatically because for them everybody is same right they are in this in everybody's body so so they become very compassionate and usually they tend to even if they are in isolation they'll try to you know do something for the uh, for the for the positivity wherever they are so i think yeah, what they was mentioning is from shloka 18 correct sorry i went ahead yeah no 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 <laughs> that's that, yeah. that's also another beautiful shloka that you know for them it's not that they have to do something to to get uh, neither doing nor not doing is is applicable to them and they are not dependent on anybody for anything at all yeah i mean in 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 uh, swami chinmayananda's book you know he summarizes at the end of 21 actually which mm. i think beyond sort of what we were supposed but he writes very beautifully he says the lord as in lord krishna though already a liberated soul mukta mm. is acting diligently without mm. attachment mm. as a model mm. for his generation to rise up rise up above the slothfulness of the age into vigorous activity yeah. beautifully written yes and then the the 19th one is actually another tasmat <laughs> shloka <Tasmat, yeah. laughs> and this is apparently this is where what started in 2.47 finishes of karma mm. yoga <laughs> so 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 this is where you know <laughs> um that the that the person is not without any attachment satatam is a nice word which is without any break without any any what? break without so continuously you have only one thought and that thought is that i am brahman uh, so that is the word uh, satatam nirantar mm. yeah and the new word polysilitization mm polysilitization yeah yeah i've never heard that word before In, yeah, I I don't know who said that, but intellect needs logic, and hence the use of word tasmat. Therefore, to appeal to the intellect. <laughs> oh, therefore. <laughs> and interestingly, even till nirvikal samadhi, it is all in Maya, because nirvikal samadhi also comes and goes. So even that is not. Uh, so, so gyani is even beyond that. So, uh, and interesting was, uh, um, I think another example he was giving was, uh, um, we all want uh, you know have a to have a perfect state, and uh, suppose we get to that, um, whatever the way we want our kids to be, the family, house, or whatever situation. 
but because the world is changing and any change in perfection will only be imperfect mm. <laughs> so you can't move from one perfection to another perfection right. immediately right so it has Constantly. to go so so that's why because this word uses right paramatmoti purusha you become that perfect perfect being you become so oh, um i have a question um do do the gyani and the self realized people know that they are realized that's actually a very very interesting question so the question is uh, who has ignorance if you think about that question atma mm-hmm. doesn't have ignorance now mind is jad so how can mind have ignorance so who has ignorance so to your point does the gyani realize that he is a gyani mm-hmm. so gyani realizes is that there is no ignorance ignorance cannot exist where will it exist so to, to and that's where i was actually referring to that sometimes when we say that uh, a gyani one who realizes this ki koi ignorance hai hi nahi so then how will so the, so that whole idea about being the role model etc they don't feel anybody is bound or anything no one is bound where where can the ignorance exist actually that's a very very so somebody asked uh, shankara acharya you know who is ignorant so shankara acharya asked him who why are you asking so the person said i don't know he said see you you only said you are ignorant but who's that who's asking that question sorry sorry i'm confusing you guys but i think that, that question we'll get it itself, that where does ignorance exist you actually cannot pinpoint mm. so that's why when the gyani is enlightened the gyani will say that there was no ignorance there is no ignorance so nobody is bound not only that person so that's why they say that the gyani is freed of the person because there is mm. no person the person is the ignorance and if you are not the person the ignorance doesn't exist and if that person doesn't exist why anybody any other person would exist so that's why ramana maharshi's statement right there are no others mm. there is nobody so that ignorance itself doesn't exist and ig- ignorance is maya which is making all of it appear but but there is there is really if you technically ask nobody is igno- who's ignorant no one no one can be what is jar cannot be jar cannot know and atma is never ignorant it is it's just a superimposition adhyarop i was going to ask in a different way like once they become enlightened there's not like turning back and say okay so i i dropped one level down and then i go back to other it's not like that you know yeah once you know that it is a rope how can you see the snake again correct yeah, it's irreversible is what i hear irreversible and not for just the self but for that person from that person's perspective no one is bound so i feel actually all those enlightened people how do they help others because for them it is very crystal clear ki there is nothing right but one thing that we universally heard and you know 
both in our Chennai trip and otherwise is that an enlightened person knows uh, that he's enlightened, of course, number one. Number okay. two, uh, they will always behave like normal beings. Yes. So they will never kind of uh, show that they're different. And they third, they will, and they're they almost like depend. universally, they would never say that we are enlightened, right? You that can't is something. Say. That... Who will say that? Atma cannot say. And exactly. the person who is saying cannot be enlightened. Correct. So if somebody says I'm enlightened, you start to kind of wonder what is that state. Correct. Uh, right or wrong, I don't know. But yeah, it's like something that universally came across that, you know, people yeah. who are enlightened just know it and they know it. That's it. Yeah. And they cannot say I'm, I'm enlightened. Exactly. They cannot say. Yeah. Because the person is never enlightened. Sorry, what's the last one? Sorry. You, you say profound things. Alpna. <laughs> person is not. Yes. So yes, they, okay. they won't know that I mean, they can't say yeah, that I am enlightened because it's not yeah, because like they're not saying enlightened. that they're, the person is not enlightened. Because it's not because they do not know Manu. It is, yeah, it is because. So what the, they know the, is not through this mind and intellect. Exactly, exactly. They've yeah. all, they were always they enlightened and that's it. That Brahman. But to say anything, they have to use this mind and body. And when they use this mind and body, this mind and body can never be enlightened. Right. That's what I'm saying. They cannot say that I am enlightened because that, you know, that individual is not available to say I am enlightened. You don't need yeah. the instrument to, to get there. Yeah. That's why that's the only direct perception. We always confuse that what we can see is direct perception. But when you're using the eye, you're using the eye. It's not direct perception. You're using an instrument. Direct perception is only of self. So, Alpna, they will never say Aham Brahmasmi. They cannot say it, but they'll feel it. Because the saying will be done by the, by the vocal cords, by the mouth, which is not Brahman. That is Maya. But they will it's feel like it. They, they, they are just it. They embody it. There was one, uh, this was in Tatvavod or where? I don't know. I don't remember in Atma Bodha, Tatma Bodha, one of those. What's the meaning of that? Anubhav is uh, experience yes. only, but without an object. It is Anubhav Matrin, the, the, the knowing of Aham Brahm, Brahmasmi. It is not a. Uh, not a saying of it. Huh. I mean, in a way, sort of Aham, Aham Brahmasmi is a part of Nididhyasana rather than. Yes, you need to contemplate on it. You so to contemplate on that rather than sort of once you like get enlightened. Internalizing that. Yeah. So what happens is the mind is the only instrument that we will use to eventually get it. So when we see anything or perceive anything, mind actually takes a vritti. Vritti is, it's a formation. Yeah. It's a movement. It is a modification of mind. So mind takes that shape. Yeah. So if you're seeing, uh, say, a phone, so mind, so the, what it uses is from the eyes, there's a modification that goes out and covers this. And then what happens is that cover, because <clears throat> the consciousness which goes out from meaning of the mind, it removes the, uh, what is known as the Tula Vidya. So, so then the image is formed inside the mind 
and there the picture appears right then it correlates that it is a mobile phone but in these so two steps are required one to know that something exists which is a uh, which is a normal uh, uh, experience that something exists and then that this something is mobile phone that is the second one but in case of uh, uh, aham brahmasmi the mind becomes brahmakar because of what we have been studying and actually intellectually understanding but it has no form it doesn't have any shape so that brahmakar vritti itself cannot be explained but then once the mind converts into that brahmakar vritti even the mind drops and because the that's what they say that the atma is swaprakash it itself just remains no. And that is actually enlightenment. So, so we do But need. Manu, to... don't worry. Uh, when you get enlightened, you will know that you are enlightened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to ask if there is a virtual reality thing, like Oculus or something, that they create where we can go experience that, and just for a brief period of time, so that we can uh, enjoy all of us enjoy what that can like. Not an object you cannot experience. It's an object you can't experience. Yes. It's not. So that's why. Such a. No example comes close to what it is. Yeah. But do you remember uh, when you guys there uh, uh, when Mukku said that uh, gurus do give. Uh, they can give know, a glimpse. Glimpse. Glimpse of the. Yeah. So they give money. You go into that state. it's not that oh. they will show you and you can see it through these eyes or even you, even you cannot comprehend it from these this mind or intellect but you get I, that experience your moment i i struggle with that uh, alpana because you're saying if you can get a glimpse and what we said short while back was that once you get it once you get a experience whatever you once you yeah. have that enlightenment yeah. moment yeah it, you, there's no going back yeah so it is more oh. like a nirvikalp samadhi so that's yeah. actually it's it's not beyond that but it gives you a little glimpse of whatever is closest to um, brahma ah, ah, okay. i guess it's like seeing a picture like of sleep. something versus actually experiencing it right 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 so you get nirvikalp like samadhi are not called enlightened yeah yeah no i agree i agree i got it yeah so that, that's what adhimu could explain yeah. mm. <laughs> you get little so, what is nirvikalp samadhi what is that Okay, so cervical samadhi is that you still know um, when you are sitting in meditation, you can still feel that there is blankness, but you still feel that you are observing the blankness. So, gyata, gyan, or gye, these are the three things: the knowledge, the instrument of knowledge, and the object of knowledge. You feel that blankness, but these three things are still very different, and 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 you can feel them differently. nirvikal samadhi these three become the same so, is it like deep sleep while awake yes but you are aware of it you are aware of it yeah yeah correct actually that's closest definition of nirvikal samadhi yeah. so there's no object of object yeah. of uh, experience so it is uh, experience of uh, yeah, absence of objects <laughs> blackness yeah. yeah you can't absence tell absence of experience like you know i had a good sleep I had no, a bad sleep. Of it's a sleep. 
It's not absence of experience, it's experience of absence. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right way of putting it. Yeah. Right, right. Experience of absence. Yeah, yeah. Right. That is nirvikas. In, in uh, deep sleep, we, see it, we say it's, uh, it's absence of experience, but in that because other one, it's experience of. of absence. But it is still an experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only when we get up. Yeah. No, I'm saying even the experience of absence is an experience. As the nirvikalp samadhi is also an experience. And it comes and goes. Yeah. So let me ask you a kind of a slightly left field question, a bit of a silly question in a way that, you know, when you get to the threshold of enlightenment, you dare, you know, you, there's no going back, you know, you're done. But in your spiritual journey, can you go up and down? Oh, yes. We've been doing that forever. <laughs> so, you know, if, if all the progress that we are making, hopefully, in these kind of satsangs and everything else, so we, let's say we move from like sort of 20 to 21. So can, can we drop to like 10 tomorrow? Um, I think it is a very slippery slope. So that's why they say one needs to be very, very cautious and continue to... Uh, there are a lot of people, yes, who... Because, because I, I'm trying to correlate fall. to what, what I heard about, like a very, very nice example that, you know, if you are uh, digging a well, hmm. which has got water at 100 feet, huh. and if you dig like 99 feet, you get no water, yeah. It's useless. Yeah. However, the spiritual growth, apparently it said that the 99 feet is not wasted. It's not wasted, but so it is there in your karmas only, but depends on still some desires can come in and it can distract you for a while. And then you will come back and then you will take very short time to do that 99. Okay. And then you'll start from there. But distraction can completely take you. You can away. have a long flat line uh, once you get there before you do the final. <laughs> I, I'll repeat it again, but I know VP Rajesh when he last mentioned there was a small vasna that was there in one of the gurus in our lineage, and he had to spend nine thousand years uh, on earth, meaning not in one janma. He had to take multiple, multiple. Eventually, went back. The, the progress he had made after 9,000 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, let's not get disheartened by the <laughs> No, it is not to dishearten. It is to be that just keep at it. And that is why yeah. you realize why mumukshuttam is so important. So that you do not yeah. derail. You yeah. need that intense desire to keep going. Otherwise, enough distractions are available on this part. Yeah, actually, you're right. I mean, Shanta, it's not discouragement. It's actually encouragement. Yeah. Encouragement, yeah. yeah. I'm reminded of two points. So one is like in uh, various Puranas, we always hear about Rishis gaining like a lot of power and Indra will do something uh, funky to kind of bring them down. And then <laughs> once they give a curse out, they lose like a lot of the pent up, uh, I don't know, for the lack of right word, pent yeah. up thing that they've gained. They yeah. lose it. Good karma. Let's call it. Back. Yeah. 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 So it's like this uh, cycle that you see uh, yeah. where, where they can actually fall down the ladder and then they kind of do more austerities and come back. So that was one. And then the other was, I think, an example from Swami SPG. Uh, we might have discussed this before. It's like there are two people who are uh, looking for enlightenment and then they uh, ask uh, Rishi who is passing by. So the first person asks, uh, Swami, please look at your uh, no, magic vision and tell me when I'll get enlightenment. And then the Swami says, you'll get it in three births. And he feels very disheartened and he's crying and he's like almost giving up. And then this, 
Rishi walks a little bit and then the next person asks, when will I get enlightenment? And then the Rishi looks at a nearby tree and then says, as many leaves are there in this tree, that many births you need to take and then you will get enlightenment. And he's very rejoicing because at least for him, there's like a finite number of births that remain. It's not like infinite or uh, unseen. So it's like, I think our perspective yeah. that, that's he's actually, highlighted in this story. And he gets immediately enlightened. Oh, okay. So that's a nice And, and the tree is of, if you know the tamarind tree. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> leaves oh, the leaves are <laughs> tiny, tiny leaves. I mean, that's the story. That he was actually sitting below a tamarind tree. <laughs> or as SPG will say, he used to go for a walk and he said... <laughs> The Swamiji will extend the story till the walk finishes. So maybe that was the reason it was a yeah, tamarind yeah. tree. So you can imagine how many. <laughs> true, true. And he was, yeah. Oh, that means he has finite number of left. Millions of. And he gets immediately enlightened. So Yeah, there are lots of stories like Krishna said, you know, where somebody has got a shrap and he's kind of living a certain existence for a in you know innumerable number of years and but then, <laughs> and then something happens where like you know and then you know that moment you know that person just crosses the threshold so I, I kind of feel like it's not like an up and down i think it's more like a straight line and that line can go yeah. much longer yeah more like this but you can have a blip in between and that blip in our years can take a long time i think that's where that nine thousand years was though in the long term you know we've been there forever in zillions and trillions and millions of years, that blip is hardly anything, but still. Yeah. I think another yeah. thing which was, uh, what I was going to say was, no, I forgot. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Anything else? Next. I mean, the one thing which sort of really, I don't know, I think, you know, I probably missed that probably in the previous lectures, but there's a mention that if you do not do karma yoga, it is actually something called a pratyavaya papam. So not doing karma yoga actually adds to some sort of your, it adds to the problem. yoga. I think I'm karma, I'm karma yoga. Karma yoga. Actually, if you don't do karma. No, no, no. If you don't do karma yoga, then it is kind of equivalent to a papam in your karmic account. I thought if you do karma yoga, then you will not have pratyavaya. That was the issue. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't do karma yoga, then it is adding don't to your... If you do just karma, that's what yeah. I So just doing karma is actually kind of loading up the negative side of a balance sheet effect. Yeah, so it is if you do karma and uh, if you didn't do it properly, then right. what dosh comes is the pratyavaya dosh. Yeah, but if you are doing it dosh. with karma yoga intention, then you will not have that, is the corollary. Correct. Okay, yeah. in second Thank chapter you. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, for me, karma yeah. yoga is no, you know, we all yeah, just yeah. 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 There was a nice play of words that was used to explain this. If you do it with the right attitude, karma becomes karma yoga. If you don't do it with that attitude, it becomes karma roga. <laughs> roga yeah. is like disease. Yes. Dosha, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let me see if I can find the... Lovely. Hmm. 
I think like in one of the previous lectures, because we were traveling, we missed Naishkarmyam. That's the actionlessness that we have been discussing about. So I felt I missed that and I had to go back, read on it more. Yeah, there's a word. I, actually, I, I also picked that word, Naishkarmya Stiti. And it says that the supreme state of actionless can be achieved only through action. Yeah. So it's a very interesting sort of play of words again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, Ajay, that Pratyavaya was in 2.40. Yeah. Sorry? 2.40. Oh, yes, of course. 2.40 or 42. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One more line I thought I'll share from Professor VK's book. And he says this thing. This is the great secret of Karma Yoga. Then he says, if actions are done without desire or attachment, they do not bind you by the results. Yes. So that I think is like that one mm. key line uh, that we keep going back on Karma Yoga. Anything else, anyone? We're missing uh, Sonali and her questions. Mm. <laughs> so just one more reference again given in Professor BK's book that I thought I'd share. Uh, that one who cooks without sharing, they are incurring sin. That's a quote from Kato Upanishad. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, again, Krishna is now borrowing from Upanishads almost verbatim that, that part. So that's a strong injunction. Mm. And cooks for self is... Yeah. Yeah, and it says, yeah, cooking can be related to any actions that we are doing yep, yep, for yep. self. Yeah, is incurring sin. Yep. So next week we can do 20, 21, 22, 23. Till where can we do? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they talk in, in this, uh, I think it's in the 15th shloka when he's, when Swamiji is explaining it, um, they talk about self-dedicated activities. So how are self-dedicated activities different from, you know, cooking for the self? Because it says self-dedicated activities when performed in any given field of endeavor will be creating um, conditions necessary to, for the field to smile Forth, which is rain, in a luxurious crop of profit uh, enjoyed by the society. So how is self-dedicated activities different from cooking for the self? Self-dedicated here probably means is with, done with dedication. Oh, that's what I thought. But now I'm so not, not for the self. Not for the self. Meaning you're doing it with full de dedication of self. Is what I thought. Yeah, I see. Okay. Which will okay. then create helpful conditions for the rain or for mm -hmm. the rain is basically an analogy for helpful conditions. So self-dedicated not, does not mean, mean like selfish. 
No, I guess I there's a difference in yeah. selfish versus self-dedicated. Meaning dedicated yeah, I think, to self <laughs> to do it. Yeah, yeah okay. Manu, I, I thought that here he's saying that self is, again, if, if you think of Brahman and, you know, connected with yourself, which is Brahman, and including Supreme, I, I thought that's what he explained in the next um, okay. phrase. That if you think of that and then, you know, um, do these activities or perform these activities. Okay, got that. Hmm. Makes sense, yeah. What about next week, Kalpana? Yeah, so can we do till 28? Actually, 27, 28 are quite interesting. Okay. That was the topic of my, <laughs> this thing when we did after <laughs> first round of Gita. Okay, sounds good. 20 to 28. 20 to 28. Yeah, that's around nine shlokas. Is that doable? Perfect. Yeah, yeah I think that's Let's try it. How much ever we can, we can cover yeah. as part of the discussion. That's good. Yeah. All right. Om Asatoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotirgamaya Rityorma Amritangamaya Om Shanti 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 Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om Thank everyone. Thank you. Bye bye. Hari Om. Hari Om. Bye. Bye.